Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Time now for Edmund O'Brien as Johnny Dollar. Johnny, how soon can you get out to Highbridge, North Dakota? North Dakota, huh? In the winter, you guys send me to North Dakota and the summit of Miami, Florida. All right, what's your problem? We got two old duffers insured for a total of $80,000. What's the matter? Somebody threatening to kill them? No, they're threatening to kill themselves. <laughs> Submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office National Fidelity Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of your policyholders, Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump, or how the grave digger's face came near being Trump's. Expense account item one, $113.52 railroad fare, Hartford, Connecticut, to Highbridge, North Dakota. As they walked towards the station in Highbridge, the wind whipped white shawls of snow out of the night and around me like a Spanish dancer, and the raw cold had my teeth acting like castanets. Inside the shack, I found a pot-bellied stove surrounded by a pot-bellied station master. Hello. Hello, hello. You are early customer? Well, I'm the only one got off the train. Can I can I find a taxi around here? Yep. As soon as my son gets the mail and freight tucked away, he'll take you. Only won't be any taxi cab. You drive to wherever you're going in the pong. Uh, by the way, where are you going? To the Trump residence. You know it? Yep, I know it. Uh, you one of the family? No, just business. Oh. Well. Well, what? Uh, what is your business is none of mine. But, 
Have you ever been out there before? No, I haven't. Why, something wrong? Well, if it ain't, then everybody in this town has been getting a lot of unnecessary exercise. Uh, you have a good conclusion. Well, here comes the boy. He'll drive you over. Ah, uh, Hickey! Yeah? Hickey, you got a customer for the pung. Wants to go out to Trump Place. At Trump Place? Hmm. Well, all right. But, mister, I'll only take you as far as the gate. your first business, huh? That right, Mr. Dollar? Yep, that's right. Hey, how much more we got to go? Oh, about another mile. You cold? Cold? Ooh, I'm freezing. Well, clap your arms around. Keep up circulation. Hey, does it always get this cold around here? Nope. Only in the winter. Uh. Say, Hickey. Huh? You mind answering a few more questions? No, no, many answers. You're welcome to those. Well, what about this Trump place? Why is everybody around here scared of it? What is it, a haunted house? Nope. As far as I know, everybody out there's alive, all right. Matter of fact, I'd feel better if some of the things out there was dead. What do you mean? Well, past year or so, I've been delivering some packages out there. Boxes coming express on a train. Some of them come all the way from Africa. Quite a few from India, too. Walmart, danger. Walmart, do not open. Deadly. Whatever comes in those boxes is alive. What about the people, the Trumps themselves? Oh, they look nice enough. Start on old side. Old man Trump looks like a deacon. His wife looks like a deacon's wife. But they never seem to come to town, let alone church. Hey, that's funny. What's so funny? Well, look, they're on the road. Race auto tracks. Only one place to go out this way. Same place we're going. To the Trump house. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those folks never have no visitors. Now, it looks like they're having a lot. <laughs> hey, maybe they're having guests for dinner. That's right. Maybe they are having guests in for dinner. I didn't say in for dinner. I said maybe they're having guests for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some funny joke, that is. Yeah. Well, here we are, right around the next bend. Good. I'll tell you what, Hickey... When I get ready for you to drive me back, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call on the telephone, huh? That'll be a good trick if you can do it. What do you mean? The tr- they don't have no telephone. Expense account item two, a buck and a half tongue fare. Hybrid station to the gate of the Trump estate where the driver Hickey dumped me off. I used one of the fresh tire tracks as a footpath up the long driveway through the snow. And steaming the white flakes out of my eyes with my breath, I took inventory of the house. It was big, colonial, and in good repair. All rooms lighted downstairs, one room lighted upstairs. Near the front, the automobile tracks took off around to the back of the house. I had to make my own footsteps in the drifts from there to the front door. Quickly, quickly, don't let that cold in. Let's shut the door. Now, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? I'm Johnny Dollar from the insurance company. As to what I... Well, I want to see Mr. and Mrs. Trump. As to what I'm doing here, I'm just the victim of a bad choice of careers early in life. Well, 
All right. Take a seat over there. I'll go check with Mr. and Mrs. Trump. But don't bother taking your coat off yet. So this is Northern Hospitality. Coming in out of the cold makes any house seem warm. But my overcoat started to steam about ten seconds after I got inside this one. So did I. And looking around, I saw the reason. There were potted orchids growing all over the hallway. And orchids grow only in tropical warmth. Despite the invitation not to, I took off my overcoat and waited. After ten more minutes, I felt like slipping out of my suit, a decision I didn't have time to make. They're just finishing dinner, Mr. Dollar. They suggest you join them for coffee. Follow me. Thanks. Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? How are you, Mrs. Trump? Won't you join us? There, sit right over there. Yes, Mr. Dollar, come and sit down. Have some coffee. Oh, thank you. Please sit down. Now that'll be all there when you may leave. Well. Fine. Now, sugar and cream, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. Trump. This will be all right just the way it is. Well, Mr. Dollar, I assume you brought the necessary papers. Yes, yes, I did. They're uh, they're in my pocket already for your signature. Good, good. We'll sign them right away. Well, I I was hoping you wouldn't sign them, at least until I've had a chance to talk to you about it. Talk to? What is there to talk about? I hope you understand that. Well, it isn't every day that an insurance company gets a letter from a pair of policyholders calmly stating that they are both planning to commit suicide. Oh, no? No. Well, well, I suppose it is a bit out of the usual run of things, but there's nothing we can do about it. My goodness, we checked with our lawyers. And he said we were perfectly within our rights. Well, granted, you've had the policy a long, long time, and the suicide clause is no longer in effect. However, well, frankly, the company did send me out here in the hope that while I was arranging the change of beneficiary you requested... I could also talk you into changing your mind. Mr. Dollar, you might just as well save your breath. Our minds are made up. Mrs. Trump is right, Mr. Dollar. As soon as we get those change of beneficiary papers signed, we intend to dispose of ourselves. Well, I... And furthermore, young man, within the past 48 hours, we have had ourselves thoroughly examined by a board of extremely well thought of alienists who signed documentary proof that we are both perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing you can do to stop us in that direction. But why? Why do you want to do this? Now, you you don't look unhappy. Well, we're not. We've had an extremely happy life, haven't we, Mr. Trump? Indeed, we have, Mrs. Trump. And that's just it. You see, Mr. Dollar, we both feel that having enjoyed such a beautiful life, we owe the world something. And finally, we have evolved a method of paying our debt. In doing what we intend to do, we shall leave to the world the beginning of a new humanity. What's the matter with the old one? Nothing. But it is doomed to extinction. Mr. Dollar, just think of yourself. Atom bombs, hydrogen bombs, biological warfare. And don't forget the flying saucers, Mr. Trump. Don't forget, indeed. Unknown objects hurtling through space, interplanetary traffic. Dear, dear. A prelude to invasion and destruction. Now, now, wait a minute. How do you know... Who told you? 
Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things. He was a professor for many years, and he reads, reads, reads all the time. He knows. He knows all that. <laughs> Would you mind pouring me some some of that coffee, Mrs. Trump? Not at all. There. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Trump, granted we're all doomed for extinction, how's knocking yourself off going to help? If you just stick it out, you'll not only enjoy a bit more time alive, but... You'll also be around to see the fireworks. You will notice, Mr. Dollar, that we are changing the beneficiary and our policies from our niece, Miss Hope Selden, to the young man who let you in here tonight, Mr. Irwin Hoffer. Yes, I noticed that. And I also noticed that this young man isn't even related to you. Now, what's that all about? Well, Hope is a frivolous girl. She laughed at us, and we tried to tell her what happened. Irwin is a serious-minded young man who will use the money brought to this household by our passing to make the down payment on a new human race. Mrs. Trump, do you happen to have any brandy around? Uh, later, Mr. Dollar, later. You want to know why and how? Well, come along. We'll show you. <laughs> Nightmare is bad enough when you're asleep, but I was awake, and that's when they really frightened me. They took me down through the back of the house to a winding, half-lighted stairway into the belly of the black hole. The oppressive heat grew even more oppressive. More stairs, then tunnels, all the ceilings cement and lined with lead. All the walls covered with pens and cages, and all of them... Filled with snakes, Mr. Dollar. Reptiles, hundreds of them. Every species, every variety known to modern man. Look at them. Look at them and look at them well. For here is the new beginning. When life as we know it is blasted off the face of this earth, either by man himself or by his planetary cousin. When that happens, then these shall be the inheritors of this global sphere. As they were in the beginning, according to the Meston theory, as set down in 1903. Yes, Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things, don't you see? No, I've got to admit, I don't quite see. You will. There. Look. Every pen, every cage is equipped with an automatic feeding device. Stored above the cages is enough scientifically developed food to keep these reptiles alive for a hundred years, if need be. Until the Holocaust, they will be cared for by young Harper. I could use an old Harper myself. When the Holocaust comes, Irwin Harper shall survive as long as possible. Then the machines will take over. The reptiles will be fed. And when the recording devices up on top say that the radioactivity and magnetic forces have been dissipated, the doors of the cages leading to the earth above shall be automatically projected outdoors and the cycle shall be complete. Then the reptiles will be set free on the face of the earth to once again evolve themselves into the new humanity. I see. Now look, Mr. Trump, I'm out here to ask you a very simple question. What's all this got to do with your committing suicide? That is easily answered, Mr. Dollar. We need money. We need a lot of money to buy the rest of the equipment. We are willing to give up the little that is left of our lives to provide it. Irwin will remain behind to put our money to good use. 
Mr. and Mrs. Trump, I don't question your motives, but you can't blame me for taking a second look at your methods. This man springing from reptile theory is flimsy enough, but that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But what you're not entitled to, and I'm quoting the Bible and the law, is the act of taking your own lives. We've talked that over among us, and we are willing to take our chances. All right. But at least you'll agree this is a whole lot to take in one sitting, isn't it? Now, let me bring these papers back in the morning. We can talk it over once more, and then you're free to go ahead and sign it. Well, time is short, but I don't think a few hours will matter. Do you agree, Mrs. Trump? No, yes, I agree. Good. Now, uh, if you'll be kind enough to either let me have a car or have somebody drive me into town. I... Car? We have no car. We haven't had one for months. And we've borrowed them from the property. Hasn't been one past the gate for almost a year. Oh? Including tonight? Yes, of course, including tonight. You just have to stay here. Come now. We'll take you up to your room, Mr. Dollar. What you need is a good night's sleep. I'd have had a better night's sleep on a tightrope. My room had the same sicky, hot air that filled the rest of the house. It may be great for snakes and orchids, but I'll take my steamings at a Turkish bath. I stretched out on the bed, turned off the lamp, and closed my eyes. But for 20 straight minutes, I could still see ghost automobiles and snakes and more snakes. I kept my eyes closed as much as I could because when they were open, I could see on the wall the serpentine shadows of the tree branches outside. At least, I hoped that's what they were. Then, just as I was hoping the hardest that the realest of them all wasn't what it looked like, out of the blackness from across the room, I heard... I reached down under the bed for a shoe. Not much of a weapon, but all I could think of at the moment. Then I snapped on the lamp and saw it. It had plenty of coils, all right, but it was strictly non-venomous. The steam radiator standing there, hissing my performance. But my nerve ends didn't even have a chance to lie down. They were still standing straight up when it happened. I was out of bed, across the room, and out into the hall in slightly more time than it takes to tell. The ray of light from my open door fell across a jumbled pile of beautiful young woman. I bent over her and... In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first... star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Mrs. Dollar, wake up. You've been walking in your sleep. Yes, you should be more careful. Perhaps you need an alibi sick coma is. Perhaps you need analysis. Learn that 
Soma is. What did he say, Mrs. Trump? Sounded like he said, where is she? I'm right here, Mr. Dollar, right here taking care of you. Oh. Ah, somebody's been taking care of me, all right. Oh. Well, where is she, huh? She's gone. What have you done with her? Come on, now, where's the... Mr. Dollar, you better get hold of yourself... There is no girl here. Oh, no? Well, look. Earlier tonight, you told me there was no automobile around here. But there was. I saw the tracks in the driveway with my own eyes. I walked in one of them. All right. Look out the window, Mrs. Trump. No, I don't see any tracks. Do you see any footprints? No, nothing. Just no. Okay. At least you know I walked up that driveway, right? And my footprints are covered up. So it's been snowing, the wind has been blowing, it's been drifting. Now I suppose you're going to tell me you didn't hear the girl scream. Come, come now, Mr. Dollar. You were having a nightmare. No girl scream. Well, if you didn't hear anything, what are you doing out here? What brought you? Young man, we have a right to be wherever in our own home we choose to be. But I might as well tell you, I found you when I started to the kitchen to get some crackers and warm milk. I found you lying here. Yeah, everyone's lying around here. Y young man, that does it. Once we get those papers signed, I'm afraid we shall have to ask you to leave. That's all right with me. They're here in my room. Come on. The way some people stand in the way of the few others who are making a genuine effort to sustain some kind of life on Yes, Mr. Trump, you'll have you play You'll find a pen there on the table. The papers are right here on my... Hey. Yes, Mr. Dollar? The papers are gone. Well, how can they be gone if you brought them at all? We warn you, Mr. Dollar, we will not stand for any more of your dilly-dallying. We want those papers and now. We are determined to sign them immediately. Suddenly, that has become my fondest hope. Now, do us all a favor. Go back to bed. And give me a chance to do a little walking in your sleep. Yes, who is it? Dollar, what do you mean barging in here? I'm looking for a girl, and I'll admit this is a very unlikely place to find her. I'll thank you to get out of my bedroom. You realize how suspicious you look just lying there in bed? Now, what do you mean? Well, I mean that about 15 minutes ago, a woman screamed at the top of her lungs not 20 feet from here. Now, what's your story? That you didn't hear it? Or does it happen around here all the time? You're crazy. I didn't hear any woman scream, and I don't think you did. Okay, have it your way. I'm hearing things. But one thing I know, I'm not feeling things. See here? There's a lump on my head. That's for real. That doesn't interest me a bit. If I find out you put it there, it'll interest you. I'll not only put an egg on your skull, I'll make a whole omelet. In case you don't know it, you're looking at a citizen who's burned up. M-A-D. Mad. From there, I started through the rest of the rooms in the house. I thought I knew who I was looking for. The only person I could think of who would profit by seeing those papers not signed. The present beneficiary of the Trump policy, their niece, Miss Hope Selden. All I could find in the next six bedrooms was a lot of old-fashioned furniture. 
I was just looking under the bed in the last when the wind outside took on a new note. I ran back to my own room, flung open the window, and stuck my head out into the blizzard trying to get a look in the direction of the noise. I wasn't taking any chances on that kicker finally sparking the automobile into life before I had a chance to see who was in it. I swung my feet over the sill and dropped the one story into a high drift. your time. Around here, people only go for sleigh rides. What do you want? Who are you? You should know. You had your hand in my coat pocket earlier tonight. Of course, unfortunately, I wasn't in the coat, but something else was. And I want it back. If I took anything out of your pocket, I had plenty of reason and plenty of right to do it. The only one I want taking things out of my pocket is the cleaner when he's filling out the tobacco crumbs. Now, come on, give me those papers. No, just let me talk to you first. I want you to hear my side of things. Look, I'm freezing. If it takes more than five seconds for you to say what you got to say, no dice. Well, then let's go back in the house. I know you'll believe me. I saw plenty about her to interest me, but nothing to relax me. She looked like a, well, a big-time operator. A gal who would be as dangerous kissing you as killing you. As I closed the door behind us, she walked across the room and made a perfectly natural movement as though to throw open her coat. When she turned, she had a gun in her hand. It was the first time I'd ever seen a shoulder holster on a woman. Now put your hands up, Mr. Dollar, and listen. Uh-huh. If you'll just unwrap your finger from around that trigger, I'll be more likely to keep my mind on what you're saying. Go ahead. I'm listening. You've got to help me. Help you? Yes, help me prevent my aunt and uncle from making fools of themselves. We can't let them leave their money to Irwin Harper. Well, it's their money. They're attempting to do what they, well, what they believe is right. That money is mine, and I'll kill anyone to get it. Irwin Harper won't stick around five minutes after my aunt and uncle have killed themselves. He isn't planning on taking care of their filthy snakes. I was in his room tonight after he went to sleep. In his pocket, I found a ticket for South America. His plans were all made. He caught me in there and chased me out in the hall and slugged me. When I came to, you were lying there unconscious beside me. I ran downstairs, and I fixed their scheme. I threw the switch to release their stinking reptiles. By now, the snakes are all outside, freezing to death. Don't move. You don't want to... So now you know. You know what that means? I'll have to kill you both, and I'll get away with... Are you miserable hunk of putty? You conniving thing. The Trumps want me to have their money, not you. I worked out that whole plan for them, all of it. And I'm the one they want to take care of it. Now drop that gun, Hope. You'd better drop it, Hope. It doesn't make any difference anyway. What do you mean it won't make any difference? Because our friend over there isn't going to pull the trigger. Oh, no? Then why not? Because Hope has released all those snakes. One thing she forgot. When snakes get cold, they try to get warm. And one of them just joined the party. He's right behind you, Irwin. I don't believe you. You're bluffing can't you hear him? You can't fool me. That's a steam radiator. In this house, they're all noisy. Irwin, if you make any kind of a move or fire that gun, he's going to strike. I'll make you a deal. Let me reach down and get that gun off the floor. I'll blast its head off. Careful. Don't move, Irwin. No, you don't. I know what you want that gun for. 
I wouldn't even turn around and look, Irwin. Not only going to move, I'm going to get that gun out of your reach. There was a snake. Look out, look out, he's on the loose. Oh, he's jumping! Super snatching! The worst of them all! Well, you've got the gun, go on! Shoot him, Howard, shoot him! All right, I'll... That's for him. But you're not staying behind me to get your... This is for you! Mrs. Arbuthnotrump were fresh out of beneficiaries, to say nothing of snakes. The only one that had found his way back into the warmth of the house was the one I'd mistaken for a steam radiator. And without a handy method for creating a new humanity, the Trumps found themselves without a purpose. So I gave them one. At my suggestion, and at the moment, Mr. T is hard at work in his home laboratory, attempting to develop a machine with which mankind will fight the flying saucer. Mr. Trump's invention will be known as the Flying Cup and will be secretly dedicated to a waitress I once knew. Expense account, item three, $113.52 railroad fare, Highbridge, North Dakota, to Hartford, Connecticut. Expense account total, $763.90. You may say this doesn't add up, but neither does anything else about this case. Signed, yours, uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leif Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Peggy Weber, Harley Bear, Hugh Thomas, Dick Ryan, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Mary Ship. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The Echo of Jesse James, a modern story of how police tracked down a couple of train robbers, will be brought to you on CBS's Gangbusters this Saturday night. The narrator will be the superintendent of Metropolitan Police, Washington, D.C., and another gangbuster's wonderful cast will reenact this true story for you. Join us this Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations for gangbusters drama, The Echo of Jesse James. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Why in the world are you down here, Dollar? Your train leaves in 45 minutes. Well, I'm taking a quick refresher course in ancient history. You're sending me out to find a missing archaeologist, aren't you? Well, I want to be able to talk his language in case I find him alive. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Great Corinthian Life and Liability Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my investigation of the disappearance of Bruce Lambert, the archaeologist who never should have left his tomb. Expense account item one, $7.50, railway and taxi fare from my Hartford apartment to room 317 Brighton Arms, New York City, a hotel whose front rooms had a depressing view of an 81st Street mortuary. Miss Lambert? Yes, please come in, Mr. Dollar. She was tall without awkwardness, had the physique of an athlete, but still with softness. And a golden tan made her seem out of place, set against the snow heaped on the sill outside the windows. Thank you for coming, Mr. Dollar. I realize that mine was a rather unusual request to make of an insurance company. Not at all, Miss Lambert. The company doesn't want to lose a policyholder any more than you want to lose a brother. But there are a lot of good private detectives in New York. I couldn't afford one. I had thought of notifying the police, but I realized that Bruce's case would be just one of many to them. They're so impersonal. If there's a chance of any notoriety. Miss Lambert, if you mean that for some reason you'd rather the police didn't find him, you'd better tell me about it. Yes, of course I was going to. I don't see how it could make any difference. Please sit down. Maybe we'd better start way back at the beginning, huh? That would be in Egypt, wouldn't it? Yes. In the desert some hundred miles west of Thebes. My brother's an archaeologist, and he'd uncovered some ruins. It was quite an important discovery, something about the 12th dynasty. I I don't know much about it. You were with him? Yes, I didn't spend much time at the excavation site. I stayed in the village. But the reason the police might make it difficult is that Bruce discovered some relics that he didn't declare to the authorities there. You mean he swiped them? Well, if you're in the habit of using extreme bluntness, I suppose you could put it that way. All right, I'm sorry. Please, Mr. Dollar, this is quite unpleasant for me. If Bruce had stolen all the relics, you wouldn't expect it to make any difference in how I felt about his disappearance, would you? Well, I'm afraid I can't do anything for you. I've got to know these things if I'm going to help you. Wait. I'm... I'm sorry. I'll tell you everything I know. All right. What were those relics that your brother didn't declare? Well, I'm not sure how many there were. There was some statuary. An obsidian head of some old king and... And there was a scarab. It was supposed to have been the official seal of this king. 
Do you know how valuable this stuff is? I'm afraid that it might be very valuable in some circles. That's what I was afraid of, that someone harmed Bruce or even... But there's so many things to be afraid of. He isn't strong. Maybe even his mind... He was injured quite severely in a traffic accident in Alexandria just before we left Egypt. I've got to find out what could have happened to him. Come on, we we can't find out this way. What does your brother look like? Is he light or dark? Here's a snapshot. He's blonde. His hair is straight and was quite long when I last saw him. And that was four days ago? Yes. The day our ship docked, I was arranging for my luggage. He just disappeared. What else? What's his bill? Slight, medium, heavy? Slight, I'd say. What about his clothes? Well, he was wearing a dark blue suit and a gray overcoat. The right sleeve of both would be empty because his right arm and shoulder are in a cast. Uh Uh-huh. A traffic accident. Yes, both were fractured. I wish I were able to be more help. But I've told you everything I know. He just vanished. Did he... Did he have any enemies that you know of? No, there's not even that. I can't let myself lose hope. But what can we do? How do you start looking for somebody with so little to go on? Before I answered her question, we started at the beginning again. The second run-through was pretty much like the first. But disappearance from a foreign ship in the port of New York is not as easy as the telling of it. I left the troubled Marsha, checked into an eighth-floor room in the Brighton Arms where a phone call told me the North Fleet had already sailed. No hope of information there. So I headed for the U.S. Customs Office. Good afternoon. Mr. Nixon? Yes? My name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. The girl outside said you could help me. I'd like to get some information on a passenger who arrived from Alexandria on the North Fleet. A North Fleet? Well, I'd have to know the day of arrival... And the name of the line? Uh, it was four days ago. They'd made it... Uh, that would make it the 20th. It's a British ship. The North Fleet. Well, no. Um, what was the passenger's name? Lambert. Bruce Lambert. Did he uh, clear any luggage through customs? Bruce Lambert. Yeah. Witness the examination of one piece of luggage, a suitcase... Personal effects, one piece of statuary purchased in Alexandria, no duty. Uh, What address did he give you? Bruce Lambert. Uh, No street number, no hotel, the Brighton Arms. The Brighton Arms. Well, don't count on that. Expense account item two, $30, which with my ID card... Helped impress the cab drivers who worked the entrance to the pier where the North Fleet had docked. Checking these cabs took the whole afternoon. And midway through it, I realized I wasn't the only one interested in that particular hack stand. I wasn't sure at what moment I'd actually noticed him. He was doing a very bad job of hiding behind a journal American on the other side of the street. All I could see was the lower half of an overcoat, the same of some razor-sharp trousers and some pointed shoes. But I began to feel his eyes looking at me as I went on with my questioning. That finally paid off through the mouth of driver number 782. 
You know, you meet all kinds in this business. Some you forget, and uh, some others you remember. Yeah, well, do you remember a guy with his arm and shoulder in a cast? And something you learn in this business, that's to read people's faces. You get to know a deadbeat before he gets a chance to deadbeat you. And you catch on if a guy is scared of something. Well, if he was afraid of something, it's not me. He's been reported missing by his sister. I've been hired to find him. How much does ten bucks buy? You know... Maybe he don't want to be found. Is that what you think? Sure. He paid me more to climb up than you offered. Well, I've got more. What are you going to do with him? I want to talk to him. I want to find out if he's all right. If he wants to stay lost, that's his business, not mine. How's 25? Get in, my boy. Step very far from here. Our destination turned out to be an old red brick hotel near 39th Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. And it occurred to me that as an archaeologist, Lambert was running true to form. He'd even used some ruins to hold up in. One $5 bill bought the information from the room clerk that Lambert was out of his room, and another bought a passkey that let me in. first thing to catch my eye when I switched on the light was a black piece of statuary shining dully on a chipped bureau, a crowned head with exaggerated features, sculptured in obsidian. I posed myself this riddle. If it was so valuable, why didn't Lambert take better care of it? But before I had a chance to try for the answer, a foot nudged the door open behind me. As might be expected, it was wearing a pointed shoe was followed into the room by a slight yellow ivory-skinned man who rather resembled the black statue. I must thank you for leading us to the hiding place. Where is he? Well, that depends on who he's hiding from. It looks like it's you. Perhaps it is that you do not know where he is. Yeah, perhaps. I followed your taxi after you talked with those drivers. That was very smart. Where did you think I expected you to go? What's your interest in Lambert? You were employed by the girl to find him. How much does she pay you? I never talk money with a stranger. Or perhaps we will not be strangers for long. The point of importance is that you have not yet found him. Mr. Drummond will pay you $2,000 to do so. Mr. Drummond is generous, but... What makes you so sure I haven't found Lambert? Because he is not here. Well, that only means he's someplace else. Please? I have no wish for violence. Well, then put that thing away. In the first place, gunfire, even in this neighborhood, is going to bring the law. In the second place, that's a lady's gun. One of those handbag jobs. You know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for carrying it. Please, I have no wish to use it. Then get rid of it. try to play bully. But there was more than that behind my fist. I figured I could learn to know him better if he was quietly stretched out on the floor. I was half right. An Egyptian passport told me that his name was Ammon Hicksus. Hometown, Alexandria. There was nothing else. 
I could turn Hicksus over to the police on an assault charge, or I could wait until he woke up and try knocking some information out of him. But I didn't do either. I left him there in the lobby. I gave a message to the room clerk for Lambert, telling him to stay out of his room when he came back and to phone me at the Brighton Arms. Who is it? Dollar. Oh, just a second. Is there any news? Did you learn anything, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I made some progress. I met Ammon Hicksus. You told me your brother didn't have any enemies. That little Egyptian is out looking for him with a gun. Why'd you lie to me? I have no right to ask you to believe me now. That's so true. But I wish you would. Please come here and sit down. No, no, thanks. You sit there and I'll stand here. I, I think I'll be less inclined to believe you from here. That's not fair. I know. I wasn't fair with you either. I want to be. But there are some things I just can't tell you. Why not? Well, I can't tell you that either. Oh, nuts. Women like you make everything tougher than it should be. You demand all, but you give nothing. You ask to be trusted, and you won't trust. You make yourselves look soft when you're as hard as steel. You've got warmth, but you, you only turn it on when you get something out of it. You're wrong. I was trying to help him. Or us. I had to lie. Look, I started this thing wanting to help you. Uh, there was something personal about it. But you wanted me to do things your way and not mine. Well, we just stopped doing that. Please leave me alone. Just go away. Go back to Hartford and forget you were ever here. I wish I could. But I'm working for an insurance company looking for a missing policyholder. Well, I'll be up in my room if you decide to help me find it. Marsha called your insurance company when you took the run out. They hired me. Good for Marsha. Uh, is she all right? Well, that depends on your point of view. I suppose she's being the helpful sister to you, but for me, she's done nothing but act mysterious. Well, I don't get it. But she won't tell the truth about you. I hope you do better. She... She told you she was my sister? Well, sure she did. Why shouldn't she? Well, I can't see why she'd do that. She isn't your sister? I don't understand it at all. Uh, where is she? I better talk to her. That's a good idea. Room 317, Brighton Arms. I'll be there with her, waiting for you. Which, in a way, was how it worked out. Except that I waited for him in the corridor outside her room. I left Marsha where I found her. She was on the bathroom floor where she died from wounds inflicted by the proverbial blunt instrument and where her lies had died with her. In 
just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first... And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Landed? Yes? It's all right. I'm Dollar. Oh. Didn't take you long to get here. Where'd you phone from? Just around the corner. A bar. Well, why do you ask? Where's Marsha? Marsha's dead. I don't believe you. I want to go in there. She isn't dead. Let me in there. Come on. Uh, use your head, will you? There's nothing. Uh, 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 oh, you're on. I'm sorry. Look, you don't want to go in there. Believe me, you don't. There's nothing you can do for her. She can't be dead. She can't be. Come on. Where? Why? I want you to come up to my room with me. You've got to do two things. First, give me every reason you can think of why this should have happened. And then, before the police get here, you'd better start rehearsing a story of your own. Now, I'll have it the first hole in Marsha's story is that she wasn't in Thebes while you were working on your ruins. That's right. I didn't even know her then. I met her in the hospital in Alexandria after my accident. I was there for two months, you see. She was my, my nurse. But, but she did know about the relics, that statue and the scarab that I haven't seen. Oh, y yes. Yes, here it is. Uh, this this is the scarab. Oh, yes, she knew. We talked about my, my little deceit. Well, how little is it, really? You you talk about two attempts on your life. Now we have actual murder. You'd better let me have that scarab. Oh, yes, yes, of course. But surely you don't think the relics are at the bottom of this? They're rare, but not valuable enough for this. Unless someone knows more about them than I do. I doubt that. I've made a thorough study of the 12th dynasty and King Amenemet III. It's a carving of his head. What do you know about a man named Ammon Hyksos? Uh, and another whose last name is Drummond. Hyksos, uh... Ammon Hicksus? You know him? Does it ring any kind of a bell? No, I, I, I'm afraid not. Drummond means nothing. Oh, all right. Let's try the two attempts on your life. What about them? Well, they happened on the nights of the 17th and the 18th. Both of them could have been accidental, except that... Well, the same small man stood near me both times. It would be too much for me to hope you, you could describe him, I suppose. Well, it, it was dark... Both times I was on the promenade deck, and something heavy was thrown or pushed from the deck above. I reported the second one, and the ship's officer apologized for the carelessness. But you thought enough of it to disappear. Oh, well, I certainly did. Instead of going to the police. Yes. Oh, I suppose it was wrong, but you must understand, I was desperate. Well, we'd better go down to the third floor. I, I hope the police think more of your story than I do. In 20 minutes, room 317 really looked like a murder scene. The place was swarming with New York's finest, white wood fingerprint powder, and blinding with flash bulbs. The lieutenant to whom I made my statement looked as if he thought I was as crazy as I thought everybody else in the mess was. But then he changed his mind. Dollar! Hey, where is that insurance stake? Ah, uh, here I am. In the bathroom. Oh, there you are, Dollar. Yeah, find a suicide note or something? What'd you say that name was? Ammon, uh... uh Hicksus. Yeah. 
Well, I guess there aren't too many ways to spell that one, so this must be it. Pillbox. Let me see that. Prescription from Alexandria. Dr. Ramon Hicksus. We'll put a tracer on that phone number you took off him first thing in the morning. Yeah. Hey, uh, are you going to take Lambert in for questioning? I guess we'd better. Routine. He's clear as far as I can see. Well, do something for me, will you? No. Have your doctors run a test of that plastic ass of his and call me in my room, huh? A test for what? Well, just look it over. It would make a handy, blunt instrument, if nothing else. Expense account item three, seven fifty. A few late cocktails, a rare steak, and coffee in the Brighton Arms dining room. After which I picked up an armful of extra additions so I could catch up on what I'd been doing. I self-operated my way to the eighth floor and started toward my room. I was looking forward to a hot shower, but I didn't get it. I was still looking forward, but into a familiar gun muzzle. This is the one, Garrett. Ah, yes, Mr. Dollar. May I introduce myself, sir? Garrett Drummond at your service. Our meeting has been postponed too long. Well, there's a difference of opinion on that. You will please open your door. How can I refuse that pint-sized invitation you're still carrying? After you, sir. And I need to remind you that my friend here is prepared for any rash move upon your part. Look, I'm tired. I don't have a rash move left in me. Close the door, Ammon. I suggest that you sit there, Mr. Dollar, in that unsightly straight-back chair. Thanks a lot. And now, sir, I shall plunge right to the point. Where is that scoundrel Bruce Lambert? Well? I think I just decided that I don't know. Please, we have no wish for violence. You always say that with a gun in your hand. Well, let's get started. You make your pitch, I'll make my refusal, and we'll see where we go from there. I have already made what I consider to be a generous offer for so unimportant a bit of information as merely the whereabouts of Lambert, $2,000. But if it will expedite matters, I am prepared to expand my offer by another 1000 on the spot, sir. The higher you bid, the greedier I get. What makes Lambert so important? A problem which is entirely out of your province, my boy. How much do you know of Egyptian legend, sir? Oh, no more than a dollar's worth. Ah, pity. A fascinating subject. Well, sir, Bruce Lambert has in his possession a certain object of great importance, both culturally and economically. Certain landowners in Egypt hold it in such high esteem, sir, that as a reward for its return to them, they would throw open to exploitation untapped oil fields, the richness of which would shake the very foundations of world economy. Are they shaky enough as it is? My boy, think what it would mean to a civilization fast approaching the depletion of its petroleum sources. New horizons, sir, a brave new world. Lambert owes to us all relinquishment of this object so that it may serve humanity. You're right. And it may be easier than you think. Splendid, sir. Where is he? Which relic is it? The black statue your playmate could have picked up for free? It is King Amenemet Scarab that I would discuss with Lambert. I demand to know where he is. Why waste time on him? I've got the Scarab. I find that most difficult to believe, Mr. Dollar. Well, I'll show No, it. no, no. Keep your hands away from your pockets. Ammon will save you the trouble. Ammon. Please remain still, Mr. Dollar. My wish is for peacefulness. Sure. Right coat pocket. He speaks truly, Garrett. Here it is. 
What's the matter, Garrett? You don't have that brave new world look anymore. Uh, I should be the first to admit, sir, that the lie has been put to the tale I created upon this useless geek-off. But, Mr. Dollar, now that we are forced to fall back upon the truth, I remind you that it sometimes hurts. Your position has not been... The desk knows I'm up here, answered Mr. Dollar. But be cautious. Unfortunately, I do not share Ammon's aversion to violence. Yeah? Dollar? That's right. This is Lieutenant Black. Say, was that a hunch you had about that cast of Lambert's? Why do you ask? Well, if it was, it was a good one. The doctors won't let us take it off, but we cut into it. It was put on in three layers. The middle one was wrapped in narcotics. Yeah? Don't be so modest, Dollar. There must be 300,000 bucks worth. No, sometimes it's a whole month before we get that much. Looks like the work of your friend, Dr. Ammon Hicksus. Yeah. Oh, wake up, Dollar. I want to check Lambert's statement with yours. I'll have you in there in ten minutes. Goodbye. Okay. I commend you, sir, upon your show of intelligence. Who was it? The police. They're looking for Lambert. Oh, and what did they give as their reason? Narcotics. The story of a man bound for America who cracked up in a car... And while he was unconscious and being patched, said narcotics were put in his cast by a Dr. Ammon Hicksus, probably assisted by a nurse named Marcia. But there is no proof. Ammon, we'll waste no time on evasion. Yes, we use the boy. A courageous scheme, but for that silly goose of a girl. She was the true conspirator and the traitor as well. She happened to fall in love with the guy. Ah, the romantic Atlantic crossing. An empty proposal of marriage suddenly becomes more important than actual coin of the realm. But enough of that. The police are looking for him, and... Oh, teeth, so am I. Where is he? I don't know. Ammon, call his hotel in 39th Street. No. Wait, my friend. The police must be watching that. Are they, Mr. Dollar? Well, that's where his personal things are. If I were the police, I'd be watching. Yes, we seem to find ourselves in such a position... That we must at least pretend to see eye to eye, sir. Very well. We shall wait here. The chips are down, so to speak. Ammon. Yes, Garrett. Take the pistol. Into the bathroom with you. With the door slightly ajar, you shall have a splendid command of the arena, as it were. Yes, Garrett. And remember, the stakes are high. Yes, Garrett, I will remember. And now, Mr. Dollar, it would seem that little remains but the waiting. <laughs> Waiting was more than enough. Drummond settled himself on the bed, facing the door, his pudgy hands folded over his bulging waist. I was still in the desk chair, facing him. As usual, the police were late. Twenty minutes passed before we heard the knock on the door. Your guest, Mr. Dollar. Come, we shall go to the door together. Now, keep your back to me and open it. It's your party, Drummond. Come in, Lambert. Not Lambert, the police. I'm in shoot. Drummond's wound wasn't half as excruciating as his call for help. The doctors report that his shoulder will be in a cast. 
that as soon as the state of New York can gather a jury, he will stand trial on the charge of first-degree murder. The body of Ammon Hicks's was taken to the morgue. As an insurance company, you are probably less interested in that than in the fate of your policyholder, Bruce Lambert. That's explained in expense account item four, $280, hospital bill, paid in advance. In view of the possibility that there may be others interested in that $300,000 cash of narcotics he has to carry around with him until his arm is okay, I thought it would be safer to keep him under wraps. Oh, by the way, while he was lying there helpless, I sold him a policy for you covering the scarab and that carved head. Expense account total... $456.90. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Jay Novello, Ed Begley, John Daner, and Pat McGeehan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. $54,000 is burning a little old hole in that little old jackpot of Sing It Again this week, just waiting for somebody to light up the right answer and drop the cash and prizes in his lap or her lap. Dan Seymour gives the gals the same chance he gives the fellas when he starts putting in those calls from coast to coast. So be listening this Saturday when Sing It Again and the $54,000 Phantom Voice come your way on most of these same CBS stations. This program was transcribed in Hollywood. Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.